Good morning. This is Tommy Ray, and we're in episode 26 of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. I have made a detour to Texas. It's time to get away from Colorado and talk about how other states regulate water. We are fortunate today to have Joe Cryer join us, plus educate us on how Texas water works. Joe was president of the San Antonio Chamber of Commerce for 20 years and then served as a city councilman for three and a half years. Water was always an issue for companies wanting to come into San Antonio, and I'm sure still is. Joe is intimately familiar with the Edwards Aquifer and other water rights that might help San Antonio. Joe, it is a real pleasure to have you join us. Welcome. Thank you, Tommy. Glad to be with you. Good. Before we dive into San Antonio water, can we talk just a little about where Texas gets it as water? Yes, there are rivers in Texas, and many of those are dammed, and cities depend on water from those reservoirs, just like Colorado cities use reservoir. I know Dallas and Fort Worth both depend on reservoirs they have built, but most Texas towns probably depend on groundwater more than surface water. Joe, do you know the percentage split between Texas towns that use surface water versus groundwater? I, I don't know the exact percentage, but based on my experience, I would guess that about 60% uh, get their get their water from surface water and about 40% get it from underground. Texas water has what's called the right of capture law. Would you explain what that means? Well, in Texas, that's humorously referred to as he who has the biggest straw wins. Uh, because the law is that if you own land and there's water underneath it, you're entitled to sink a straw or pipe into that water and pump as much as you want whenever you want. And that has been the law here for some time, although there have been in more recent years regulatory efforts that set limits on how much you can pump. Basically, you're grandfathered. And if you've had your straw down there for many years, you can keep pumping as much as you want. Okay, that's different than in Colorado. In Colorado, if you have 100 acres, the state will determine how much water is under your ground Mm. and limit you to pump 1% of that per year. So it's not a right of capture. Very different. Yes, and does the right of capture also apply to surface water? In other words, if you are on or near a stream and you can capture the surface runoff, is that water yours? It, it, pre- it pretty much does. If you if have a lake on your property, you can pump out of that lake as much as you want. If you have a river running through your property, you can pump out of it as much as you want. Now, there are some legal authorities like the Edwards Aquifer Authority that now will determine how much you can pump out of the water. We used to have a house on Lake LBJ, and they would sell us an acre of water every year. An acre foot of water. Acre foot of water. So in the East, it's generally referred to as a riparian rights, which means... For surface water, if a stream runs through your property, you can take out as much as that you can safely use. You can't take out an exorbitant amount, but you can take out whatever you might need. Substantial amount. A substantial amount to use on your property. 
that, of course, is significantly different than Colorado. In Colorado, if you live on a river and it runs through your property, you cannot touch it unless you have a water right. And, of course, as we've discussed in earlier episodes, those water rights are prioritized such that the earlier rights dominate. Back to groundwater, which will lead us back to San Antonio. Several years back, Texas divided itself into groundwater conservation districts. Do you know how many groundwater conservation districts there are in Texas? There's certainly well over a hundred. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of them, and they uh, at times their interests bump into each other. But but the state is still creating them. Okay, I did not know that that the state was still creating them. I thought they divided the state up. I'm curious as to how the districts were formed. I know some districts' boundaries coincide with just one county. Other groundwater conservation districts may include two or three or possibly more counties. For example, Bastrop and Lee counties are combined into the Lost Pines Groundwater Conservation District. And there are large aquifers under those these counties that have a lot of water, particularly the eastern half of Texas. In another episode, we'll talk about the panhandle of Texas and its dependence on the Ogallala Aquifer. But for now, let's talk about the eastern half of Texas. It seems to me, by putting man-imposed boundaries over these aquifers, that Texas has set itself up to have intrastate water wars much as the water struggles between the West Slope and the East Slope of Colorado. What is your perspective on groundwater management districts and control of water within their district boundaries? Many of these districts in Texas were set up because the landowners went to the Texas legislature and asked them to create their water district. And they did that because they wanted to have some control over their water future. The water districts gave them more control than they had, but they don't don't have total control. I'll give you an example. In San Antonio, San Antonio has historically always relied on groundwater from the Edwards Underground Aquifer, which is a huge underground water aquifer. No one knows how much water is there, even though engineers have been trying to figure that out for for decades. But... As San Antonio grew, the level of that aquifer began to decline. As it declined, people had to drill their wells deeper. But remember, they were still entitled to pump up as much as they wanted because that was the right of capture. They just had to make sure their straw was deep enough to reach the water. Eventually, realizing that it was dropping, it began to interfere with some small creatures, some blind salamanders and some blind catfish and people sued under the federal environmental act to protect those endangered species and the federal government stepped in and said to san antonio we're going to order you to limit how much water you take out of your aquifer and it cannot be so much that it endangers the lives of these little critters And that federal oversight has continued to this day. Wow, I did not know that. 
Also, as the level of water in the aquifers drops, it begins to dry up several springs, particularly in like the New Braunfels area. Is that correct? It has dried up springs in the New Braunfels area. Most importantly, it has dried up the springs that where the aquifer initiates its flow onto the surface, which is near Incarnate Word University. That's where the San Antonio River ultimately goes to. And those springs have permanent, not permanently, they have not flowed except in extremely high rainfall periods. Okay. The Edwards Aquifer is very different than other aquifers because I understand there are recharge areas near San Antonio, probably the northwest quarter of San Antonio, that when it rains, the water literally flows down into the aquifer. Into the aquifer and recharges it. So we are dependent, to a certain extent, on rain to the west of us. And when we get into extended periods of drought, as you pointed out earlier, uh, the aquifer level drops far enough that the springs dry up. And when the springs dry up, the federal government begins imposing limitations on how much we can pump. So is there an elevation within the aquifer at which the federal government says you cannot go below, what is that number, 600 feet above sea level? I think it's 650. The federal government has several wells that it uses as its test wells and measures those wells. And if if the level of those wells drops below the prescribed limit, I'm going to say 650, 650 feet above sea level, for more than 30 days, then the federal government's limitations begin to take effect, and we are required to cut our water use by as much as 40%. Wow. What other water sources does San Antonio depend on? Are there surface supplies? Well, I spent a good year, a good period of my 20 years at the chamber and almost all my three and a half years on city council working on finding an alternate supply of water, and we did. We located another aquifer, which is northeast of Austin. And we bought up, we being the people who were involved, bought, bought up all of the water rights. Wait a minute. We, the the people involved, you mean uh, not a private? Private sector. Oh, private sector bought those Private up. sector bought up all those those water rights, then conveyed, conveyed them to another governmental entity. And that that entity then sunk a bunch of straws or pipes into into that aquifer, and they pumped into a pipe that flowed 130 miles to San Antonio. It delivers to us over 50,000 acre-feet. Yeah, that pipeline brings about 50,000 acre-feet a year. And we, we can, as the phrase goes, use it or lose it, but we're required under the contract to take, uh, as the oil business says, take or pay, and so what we do is we pump it back down into the aquifers. Well, and that, that was, as you might well imagine, extremely controversial for two reasons. Number one, it, it, it's costing over a billion dollars over a period of time. Does a billion dollars include the pipeline cost and yes, the water? Yes, the pipeline cost and the water rights. And not surprisingly, we had a bunch of 
communities in San Antonio that are anti-growth. He said, listen, if you get that water, it will, it will subsidize your growth and encourage your growth. If you don't get the water, you're not going to grow as much. So we're going to oppose your getting it. And not surprisingly, the people who own those water rights and freely sold them to us have now woken up and are saying, my gosh, you're depleting our aquifer. And huh. we, of course, say, well, we bought it. We have we put our straws down, and it's our water. And therein lies intrastate uh, water wars here in Texas. Yes. And what counties was that uh, water coming from? Well, those the, that comes from all of the counties between San Antonio and northeast of Austin. I want to say Burleson County. Um the, it, the pipeline goes through a bunch of a bunch of count, several counties before it, before it gets to San Antonio, and currently it's being piped into the aquifer because we don't we don't need to use it all. Yeah, so you recharge the aquifer. It it will it will in theory, or at least we have told people, it will supply San Antonio's anticipated water needs for the next fifty five zero years. Wow. That's a lot of water. That's a lot of water. And, and, and is that uh, supply San Antonio 50 years without the Edwards Aquifer or uh, supplementing? In addition to, yes, okay. it supplements. Okay. The, the private company that bought the water, um, they're not leasing it. You, they sold you the water rights. Correct. And and supposedly, I'm sure, made a tidy profit on that. I, I hope they did. <laughs> I mean, the goal, the, the, let me point out, the goal here, when we got into this effort and we, and we worked on it for literally 15 to 20 years from the time we started talking about getting water outside of Bear County until we located another aquifer, until we figured out how to get the water rights and pay for it and pay for the pipeline, the goal here was to give San Antonio water independence. When I ran the Chamber of Commerce and we tried to recruit big companies here, they never, ever asked me, Joe, do you know where you're going to get electricity for us for the next 20 years? Because our power company had more power, had planned its power out for the next 30 years. It had the lowest rates in the state of Texas. That was not a problem. What they did ask me every time was, where are you going to get us water for the next 30 years? And we always said to them, well, we've got a plan for that. Let us talk about your plan. Well, talking about plans satisfies some people, but talking about plans didn't satisfy all people. So when we built this pipeline, it's called the Vista Verde Pipeline. When we built the Vista Verde Pipeline, we were able to say to Economic Development Prospect, Number one, not only do we know where we're getting our water from today, we know where we're getting it from for the next 50 years. And between that and cheap electricity, we've become very attractive to corporate relocation. I am so glad you brought that up because in previous podcasts, uh, in previous episodes, I have discussed that um, at least in the metro area, there is competition between cities to attract clean industries and clean environmentally sensitive companies and that those companies always ask, do you have enough water 
not only to serve our business, but to serve future homes that our employees might live in. Water, folks, is not only an issue in Colorado, but it's certainly an issue in Texas. And I assume, Joe, you may not know this, but that it's an issue throughout Texas. Well, I'll I'll give you another example. What people regard as, as one of the golden grails of economic development recruitment are computer chip plants. Uh, these computer chip, plant, chip plants cost billions to build. They employ very well-paid employees. But what most people don't know is computer chip plants use, use huge amounts of water. They have to have huge amounts of extremely clean water in, the, in order to make those computer chips. And so that's one company whose very first question is, where am I going to get my water today and where am I going to get it 50 years from now? Very interesting. Thank you for that perspective. Uh, How does the state enforce the doctrine of the right of capture? The answer to that question is the state doesn't need to. I mean, the law is if you own the land, you have the right to take the water. And no one ever questions that because it's been the law in Texas for so long. uh, As the old line goes, the mind of man runneth not to when you didn't have the right of capture in this state. So we don't get into any arguments over regulating your your right of capture. You got it. What has affected it is the creation of water districts, and the water districts then start regular. First thing they do is send out a survey saying, do you have a well on your property? I've gotten that survey because we have it on our house in San Antonio. We live on five acres. And what they want to know is, do you have a well on your property? And the second question is, if you have a well on your property, how much water have you been pumping out of that well? And that number establishes your grandfathered right. And the authority will then say, okay, Mr. Landowner, from this day forward, you can pull that amount of water out of the ground, no questions asked. But if you decide to sink a second well and double your take, you got to talk to us. And most of the time, the answer will be, we're not going to let you do that. And when you say you've got to talk to us, you're talking about the groundwater management district. Exactly. The the Edwards Underground Authority, which regulates the Edwards Aquifer. And of course, there are these other groundwater management districts throughout the state of Texas that would essentially do the same thing. Like Lost Pines, you you, you talked about earlier. Yes, talked about Lost Pines. One of the concerns that San Antonio always had was this protection of the recharge area. And it makes perfect sense because if there's a gasoline tanker truck that happened to overturn in that watershed area, it would certainly pollute the aquifer. That, that has been the big fear, and it's been the big driver for anti-growthers and environmentalists, is that growth creates more paved area, and more paved area creates more opportunities for gas stations or gas trucks or anything else that transports dangerous materials to break and cause water to get into the aquifer to the west of us is is the recharge zone. And in the recharge zone, you literally have ranches with sinkholes on them that when we get these huge downpours, and we do, 
hundreds of thousands of acre feet of water will flow into those sinkholes and then down filter down into the aquifer almost immediately. The fear is that if anything else gets in that sinkhole, we have no way of, when, when, when San Antonio pulls the water out of the aquifer, all we do is put a few drops of chlorine in it and pipe it to your house. We don't filter it. We don't purify it. We don't do anything. So it is as pure as it can be when we pull it out. Transfer of water rights. How do I show that I own that water so that I can later sell it to San Antonio or another city? Well, the, the, the catch is, after the Edwards Underground Water District was created, in order for you to buy that 10 acres and put your straw down, you'd have to go to the Edwards Aquifer Authority and get a permit to take water. Yeah, but that that's, was not the case in your 150-mile pipeline to counties east that's of That's exactly here. right, because in, in those areas, they, they did not have at that time a groundwater district. They have since created one because of the realization in their argument they had, that they had sold their birthright. Yeah, we sold our birthright to you. I mean, my answer is we paid good money and you took it. Yep. I hate to but say again, tough. But again, you, uh, if there are arguments about who who really owns the water and has the right to transfer it, is there a court system in Texas to hear those arguments similar to a water court in Colorado? No. No? None. Interesting. You just go, if there's any disputes about water, you go to district court. Same way you go to district court if your car ran into my car. That's great. Uh, thank you, Joe. This has been a real education for me, and I'm sure for most listeners. Thank you. It's been an enjoyable experience for me. Joe, you may have your favorite mountain stream, but I like mine. <laughs> Let's stop and take a few seconds to listen to that pleasing sound. See you next time.